1: Good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful Saturday. This is Al-Fadi. And if you're tuning in, you're listening to Let Us Reason. And uh, as I mentioned uh, last week, uh, we are approaching the end of our fifth season. So I am definitely excited uh, to always remind you and share this news with you that it is because of your faithfulness, because of your partnership with us, that we made this milestone. It's a huge step. For a ministry like ours, that when we began back in October 4th, 2014, I have to be frank with you, neither uh, did I or the station uh, were thinking that this can last beyond maybe a week or two, not to mention almost five years. And obviously, uh, the station took a step of faith. I am so thankful for them. They definitely did something that is probably uh, unconventional. And we are so thankful for uh, the wisdom that was imparted on them by uh, the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're thankful also for this platform that helps us reach our Muslim friends, not just locally or even nationally. Because I know of people who are in parts of Europe and Southeast Asia and other parts of the world that have been accessing our podcast. And uh, to, uh, to let you know how that can uh, happen Uh, It's, uh, you know, it could be done in a variety of ways. You can go to our website, which is CIRAinternational.com. And reminder, CIRA with a C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A international.com. We have a section in there for the podcast called Let Us Reason. You can also go to YouTube. We were able to convert few of those podcasts in the past uh, and have them stream on YouTube, but not all of it. However, on the website, you can go all the way back to the first season and the first episode and start listening to them all the way until now. You can also use iTunes, you can use SoundCloud, you can use Omni Studio, just to name a few. And uh, I was telling uh, people the other day when I Googled Let Us Reason Al-Fati, I think I saw so many other platforms, social media platforms that allows you to access our podcast. So once again, thank you so much for such a mild stone in terms of, um, uh, you know, in terms of basically um, uh, being able through this uh, particular podcast to have a dialogue with our Muslim friends. Our focus on this podcast is as someone who is a former Muslim, myself, a follower of Christ, is that I speak both worlds and I speak to both followers from my own uh, experience. I can speak to our Muslim friends from my own background. And, you know, if we challenge our Muslim friends, we're not doing it to denigrate them. We're not doing it to humiliate them. We're not doing it to disrespect them. Rather, we're doing it because we love them and we want them to at least reason with us. That's why we call it Let Us Reason. And we give them evidence. I always I'm am I'm a big supporter of the idea that if you share something, you better have evidence to support what you're sharing. That applies to me, not just to you. Why? Because we want you to have access to what evidence we are sharing with you to either support or refute something. And then at the end of the day, as I always tell people, I have no power to convert a fly. I cannot do anything if it wasn't for the power of our Lord. So it is the Holy Spirit who will deal with the person. The Holy Spirit will interact with the person. The Holy Spirit will convict that person in their heart and the Holy Spirit who can bring people to Christ. So therefore, my job is to only plow the field, plant the seeds Water the seeds, but only God will bring the growth. And that's what we are all about here, is to bring glory to his name. Now, if you are tuning in, this is Al-Fadi and you're listening to Let Us Reason. And last week we talked about the claim that uh, our Muslim friends periodically will bring up, saying that Jesus prayed like Muslims. And I know. Some of you might look at this and say, uh, give me a break. I mean, wh- where are you getting these ideas from? Well, I-, I mean, it's it's our genuinely seeking Muslim friends who tend to actually make such claims. And the reason why they would make such claims really has to do with the fact that they see it this way or they are being told by others, their leaders in this case, or their so-called Taoist or apologist, Muslim apologist, who wants to convince the masses in Islam that they, these apologists of Islam, are the experts on the Bible. They see things in the Bible that Christians somehow have managed to hide from Muslims for the last 14 centuries somehow. And now all of a sudden, these Taoists now, I call them Daoists, meaning the ones who propagandist, meaning the one who, invite others to accept Islam. So it's it's not a, a derogatory term, it's basically the way it's said in Arabic. And um, you know they basically will go and say, wait a minute, look what the Bible says. And in the case of praying as Muslims, meaning Jesus praying as Muslims, out of nowhere, Muslims will come up with passages from the gospels that they attack all the time, as a matter of fact, and they will say the gospels have been ta- tampered with, manipulated, corrupted, You see the irony in all of this? Uh, There is tension. They will attack a source and then they will use the same source sometimes to draw out of it something that is going to be helpful to their ideology. This time they're using the Gospel of Matthew. And let me say the following. It is so funny that someone will use the Gospel of Matthew to support something when in fact they attack the very opening of Matthew. Matthew. Many times Muslims will attack the genealogy of Jesus in a variety of ways. They will say things like, well, the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew contradicts that. And Luke, well, can we explain to you You know what's going on? No, there, see, there is corruption. Okay, uh, can you prove to us when the corruption took place? No, nope, it's corrupted. That's it, end of discussion. And then you come back again, and, and all of a sudden now they're saying, well, look at Matthew. Matthew said like there are three different Basically, uh groups of generations, you know, 42 in total. But you count them, you know. Uh, they're not going to be 42. Well, you know, uh, there, there's a reason why. They, uh, no, Muslims always want to be on attack. And now, amazingly, they discovered something in Matthew that they just attacked its opening, actually. And somehow, now it is true. That's in Matthew 26:39, which reads, basically... That the Lord was actually, um, before uh, he is captured and put on trial, and then later was crucified, he was at the Garden of Gethsemane. And in there, he took with him, uh, you know, a few of disciples, you know, Peter, John, and, um, uh, you know, uh, the the sons of Zebedee, basically. And um, they went there, and Jesus instructed them to... Stay awake and stay alert while he goes just nearby in the garden to pray. And that's where he prayed the following. And he, it says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cub be taken from me. Yeah, not as I will, but as you will. Right there, ladies and gentlemen, that's the prayer that our Muslim friends will tell you, Jesus prayed like Muslims. And you probably are scratching your heads right now and saying, tell me again, uh, how, how does that work? Oh, you apparently missed what it says. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed. And that's it. Our Muslim friends will say, that's how Muslims pray. They fall all the way down to the ground. Their forehead is touching the ground. Their back is bent like an S-shape, and their, uh, you know, basically knees will support their thighs, and their shins will be parallel to the ground. This is how they pray. But ladies and gentlemen, if you look at a Muslim prayer, first of all, it's a number of postures and number of actions. That's number one. Number two, Muslims pray at specific times, five times a day, according to Of course, what we know about Islam, I prayed it many times myself. There is a prayer calling for that. People who are Muslims, they will follow the leader who prays. Right here, the scripture didn't specifically say, what does it mean that he fell with his face to the ground? But let's assume it was one of those postures that Muslims pray. So what? What does that even mean? Do you even know that Hindus sometimes pray this way to their idols? Do you know that Buddhists sometimes pray this way to their idols? Do you know that people that sometimes even are in desperate spiritual help, they will bend down like this on the ground and just pray, not knowing actually who are they praying for or to? But yet our Muslim friends are convinced this is a evidence that Jesus is a Muslim. Besides, If Jesus did one of those postures that Muslims usually will use when they're praying, how can one step out of many somehow automatically makes him a Muslim? You know, this can backfire, actually, and that's where I come in handy. If you want to say that Jesus prayed like Muslims, let's do the math. Jesus came to earth as the word of God in the flesh, as God incarnate, 600 plus years before the coming of Islam, might I say that Muslims pray like Jesus, not the other way around? Number two, Jesus prayed in multiple different ways. Why did Muhammad corrupt the prayers of Jesus and all of a sudden he instituted five prayers only with certain, you know, postures and movements? If they wanted to pray like Jesus, they should have prayed the way Jesus prayed, one of them going down to the ground. But the other times it was, was standing, other times he was while he's eating, other times while he he's just saying a prayer uh, verbally, and so on and so forth. Jesus never prayed five specific prayers. Jesus did not teach his apostles to face a specific direction. And if Jesus really was praying like Muslims, and he is the imam— The leader at that time, shame on Peter, shame on John and his brother, Andrew, for not basically, or or James, I should say, uh, John and James, uh, shame on them for not following Jesus and praying behind Jesus like any Islamic prayer where you have the leader praying and others behind them. Now, I anticipate an objection, and that's also where we can come in handy. There is sometimes in a time of war and distress, Muslims and Muslim soldiers, I should say, can pray in groups. So you would have the leader, the imam praying, and he has a portion or a section of the troops praying behind him and the others on the watch. And then once that group finishes praying, they become the ones who watches and then the others who were resting will go and pray. But here, Jesus wasn't at the time of war. He's actually uh, you know, waiting for the time to be arrested, number one. Uh, The disciples didn't go there to fight. It was just a natural instinct when Peter pulled his knife to defend his master. But he wasn't going there to plan a fight, to plan an attack, and so on and so forth. My goodness, there's only three of them plus Jesus. I mean, uh, they brought an army to arrest Jesus, nevertheless. And also, if that was the case... Then out of the three, let's say two of them could have been on the watch and one prayed behind Jesus. So what difference does it make that three are on the watch versus one on the watch or two on the watch? So yet again, we see the contradiction. Once again, also, when it came to praying, Jesus himself disagreed with the Samaritan woman when she was pointing in John chapter four to their mountain and say, we pray at this mountain you guys pray at that mountain, and Jesus says the time is coming when the Father, basically, when you, uh, the true, true worshipers, will not pray at this mountain or that mountain. The Father is after the true worshipers who will pray to the Father in spirit and in truth. I'm paraphrasing that for you in John chapter 4, starting from verse 16 all the way down. Nevertheless, that's what true worship is all about. Also, the Bible throughout the Old Testament, New Testament gives different ways of praying to God: kneeling, like in Daniel six ten; standing, like in Second Chronicles twenty verse five; with face down, like in Revelation seven eleven; with hands raised, like in Psalms one thirty four two. And the time goes on and on and on. Also, when it comes to the Islamic prayers. As I stated earlier, we have five specific prayers at five specific times. And only then and at these times that the prayer calling will be announced, that Muslims will gather either in a mosque or if they are in the wilderness, they'll pray in a specific location. They'll have like rugs. Or if they're at work, they will find a place to pray. Or sometimes you see them in the streets You know, they'll park like uh, taxi drivers and others, and they will pray in a park or a section of the street and so on and so forth. And uh, those prayers are the pre-dawn prayer known as the Fajr, then the noon prayer known as the Dhuhr, then the uh, midday prayer or afternoon prayer known as Asr, then you have the sunset prayer known as the Maghrib, and finally the evening prayer known as Aisha. And let me pause here for a second. And I'd like to welcome those who are joining us right now. This is Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al-Fadi, and I want to thank you for tuning in. We're talking today about a topic that is a continuation of last week's discussion on did Jesus pray like Muslims? And the the focus was on Matthew 26, verse 39, where our Muslim friends insist that in using that passage, that uh, they can make a case that Jesus prayed like Muslims because he fell down to the ground on his face and began to pray. And that's where we are now trying to unpack this claim. We're saying that Muslims pray at five specific times and Jesus wasn't praying at any of these times, nor that Jesus was praying uh, like a Muslim in all of these uh, postures and movements that, Muslims will do in during their prayers. So the other thing also that Jesus and his disciples always prayed at different times of the day. Um, you know, the, the prayer of Jesus in this particular text uh, was around midnight, okay? Uh, so the, the, show me a single prayer that Muslims pray out of these five that is done at midnight, for instance. And we stated earlier today that if our Muslim friends want, wants to take that route and claim that Jesus is praying like Muslims, it doesn't work that way. He came before Islam almost 600 plus years earlier before the coming of Islam. Therefore, it is Muhammad who is supposedly praying like Jesus. But yet, even with that, he corrupted the prayer of Jesus. He changed the prayers of Jesus. And he came up with his own way of praying. Now, Jesus also wasn't praying like an Islamic prayer. How do we know this? Because the way he prayed in Matthew 26 contradicts how Islamic prayers are. Jesus began his prayer by saying, his father, my father, he's he's praying saying, my father, show me a single Islamic prayer where they use this phrase of God. In fact, Islam disagrees that God can be called a father. There is no word like Allah, Abba, or Allah, Father. This is Zakir Naik, one of the Islamic scholars, supposedly, who is no scholar at all. But nevertheless, he is the one who made this statement. So apparently Muslims disagree with their own scholar, disagree with their own teachers. Okay? Also, Allah has not taken any son, nor has there even been with him any deity. Okay? If there had been then each deity would have taken what it created, and some of them would have sought to overcome others. Exalted is Allah above what they describe concerning him. That's Quran chapter 23, verse 91, defending the fact that God doesn't have a son. And if God doesn't have a son, why would you call him father in the first place? Right? You know, that's that's the argument. Okay, Jesus wasn't praying an Islamic prayer, Jesus prayed to the Father. And the father is in no way is Allah or the God of Islam. Why? Because Islam never calls him father. Islam denies that Jesus is the son of God. Islam denies vehemently that God can have a son because in the mind of the God of Islam, which is a very narrow-minded God, he says that in order for him to have a son, he must have a wife. I mean, it's a physical thinking, you know? Nowhere does the Bible teach That Jesus called the Son of God because of a physical relationship between Yahweh and a woman or Mary or anyone for that matter. Also, when Jesus taught his disciples and taught the church how to pray, he didn't say, this is how you pray. You stand, you face this direction, you make these movements, you recite these passages from the Bible, and you say these particular memorized prayers, and then you finish the prayer this way or that way. This is how he says in Matthew 6 Verses 5 to 15, when they asked him how to pray, he, they said, you know, show us how to pray. And, and he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Gee, I'm not going to comment on this. It speaks for itself, okay? Jesus called who pray standing or pray in the corners of the streets to be seen by others hypocrites okay truly i tell you jesus is saying they have received their reward in full but when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you and when you pray don't keep on babbling like pagans man If you know anything about Islamic prayer, by the way, I know it because I prayed it. The word babbling is an understatement, actually. And for they think, he says, that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins either. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. Never that he says you pray this five times a day, two times a day, ten times a day. Never that he says that you pray it at these specific times. Never that he says when you pray it, be sure you're standing and facing in this direction. Never that he says that when you do it, raise your hands up. Never that he says that you do it in group. That doesn't mean if you pray in group you're violating anything, but Jesus insisted on the privacy of this relationship with the Father. Our Heavenly Father is our Father. We have a relationship with Him. Will you talk to your Father in public in front of people if you have private matters with Him? No, you're going to go in a private area. And that's how Jesus wanted us to learn how to pray. Brothers and sisters, Our Muslim friends, believe it or not, we're coming to a close to this show. And I promise you, we most likely will do part three. I never actually thought that this particular topic will take us more than one show. Here we are in part two already. So Lord willing, next week we will continue this discussion because it's extremely important that we know that when it comes to making claims like this from the Bible— someone has to substantiate it. And so far, we have unpacked the fact that Jesus' prayer was in nowhere an Islamic prayer. Thank you so much for everybody for joining us. Please remember to go to our YouTube channel, CIRA International, and subscribe in there. And until we meet again, have a blessed day.